my beautiful listeners, friends, and fellow travelers, and welcome to Healing into Consciousness Radio. I was thrilled to be introduced to Sister Jenna and be on her syndicated radio show, America Meditating, back this year in January, and now I'm very thrilled to have her on Healing into Consciousness Radio. I enjoyed speaking with her very much, and she has a very soothing and beautiful presence, so I wanted to have another opportunity to chat with her and ask her some questions this time. And I feel that uh, she has a lot to share as we have a similar mission to help heal the pain on this planet and the suffering. And obviously, it's a big task, and we all do what we can with the tools and the experiences and the wisdom that we have gathered along the way. And today, we'll hear from Sister Jenna what kind of life she has had and what brought her to do what she's doing and share some of of her wisdom with us today. And Sister Jenna is an author, radio and TV personality, renowned speaker, and founder of the Meditation Museum in Washington, D.C. Her wisdom, serenity, and compassion for humanity are expressed through a variety of initiatives for youth, women, governments, communities, and through her globally broadcast syndicated radio show. Sister Jenna is the recipient of numerous awards and proclamations, including the President's Lifetime National Community Service Award, Everyday Hero Award by the Foundation of Better Life, and the Friendship Academy Award, to name a few. Welcome, Sister Jenna. Thank you, Mada. Um, in Washington, D.C., when I'm asked to give my bio, I tell everybody I'm a peaceful soul, and that's it. <laughs> um, well, yeah. you know, it, sometimes it's good for people to have some background. Yeah, yeah. definitely, because mm-hmm. I think we tend to want to receive uh, what someone says if it's coming from a place of experience or authenticity. And at the same time, I mean, we've learned from watching a homeless person on the street or we've learned from watching the way a cashier deals with her customers, you know? So it's quite unique how we receive our learning curve, isn't it? Absolutely. And you had you had an interesting background. Your father is Indian and your mother is Caribbean, and you were brought up in the United States. Uh, so how has that diverse background impacted you? Uh, I think it has allowed me to be extremely uh, receiving or accepting of everyone's personality, color, religion, status quo. And it has also perhaps put me in uh, a group of very rare um, bunch of people um, where I just don't look at the color or the race or the religion of a person. I tend to just focus on the quality and the virtues in which the soul is bringing into this connection and into this relationship. So my dad is still Indian, and he's alive, and he's Mm -hmm. living in Florida, and my mother is African, and she's alive, and she's with me at the Meditation Ashram in McLean, Virginia, where we have two centers in the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. So I feel blessed because I don't know what it's like to only think like a Caucasian, 
I don't know what it's like to only think like um, an Indian. I don't know what it's like to only think like an American, even though I love this country. But I've been to over 88 countries. And so I look at us and I keep asking my conscience what makes us tick as a people. And um, at the end of the day, you do see that there is this calling to be loved or to give love. And um, sometimes a lot of our struggles comes only because of this, either in a particular relationship or situation, I'm supposed to give this love, give love, or uh, I'm supposed to be open now to receive it. So in a way, I just kind of look at life from that perspective. Yeah, and that definitely impacts, and it's such a great benefit to have that diversity. I know that my background, I grew up in so-called Soviet Union, which does not exist anymore in Armenia, and with the Russian-Armenian language, and then being exposed to the West, and then living in India for four years. Um, And obviously, that opens up your perspective to life and to people and different cultures. So... I always encourage people to, when they're young, to go traveling because in as many places as you can so you can learn all these things. And it looks like you've you've done that being in 80 countries. That's a lot of countries to travel through. Yeah, and some of them weren't even divided. So actually, I think it's more. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and, and I don't want to... Um, um, have any of our young listeners or, or, or others to be dismayed about traveling. But back in the days when there wasn't TSA and all that strip searching going on, traveling was so much fun. Oh, yes. And it was so relaxing. Now you feel almost inhumane just to get through a security thing, you know, to deal with stuff. And I wear a seven-yard-long sari, and every time I have to go through that um, screening, I just feel so uniquely touched let's just say that because they need to find out if there's anything under there (laughs) this is such a funny story because in the beginning it was Osama bin Laden and then now he does not exist and there's still the same searching and and I don't know we're we're trying to make the world a better place and obviously this is a huge um, example but how how hard it is to change those political situations between the countries, between religions, and uh, between humans when they fight with each other. I saw that beautiful video on your website, a short documentary where the people uh, from the Middle East had died. Ah, John Viscount on admission. Yes, 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 admission. That's it, yeah. It was a wonderful program, yeah. Yeah, sound sounded really uh, exactly hit the hit the chord to what's happening now. Yeah, and you recently also released a new CD entitled "Off the Grid Into the Heart." Yeah, what inspired I didn't think you? I should have changed that title because now everybody wants to get out of the world, and that wasn't <laughs> my intention when I when I produced the CD. I, it was just clear that we are in such an accelerated mindset and. It gets overwhelming if we got a call from a beloved that says, I'm leaving you, or we get a call from a boss that says you're fired, or you get a call from you know, a parent that says you know, they've died or they're sick, or you get a call that your dog you know, has passed away, and how that can just create a, a smorgasbord or, or a tsunami of emotions, actually. 
Mm-hmm. And then it starts to feel like something like just waking up in the morning and taking a shower to get to work feels so painful for so many people. And so the grid has become a very rough place for people to live in. And what I'm asking everyone to do in this city is to really amplify their heart and their love whilst they're living on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I must say that you have such a soothing voice and presence, as I mentioned earlier, that just by listening to you, there's already some calmness that comes over people. So I think just speak, <laughs> and you're already impacting people. You're already Thank doing you. that. So Yeah, you're, you're doing that through your meditation museum programs and uh, through the radio show America Meditating, and you interview many celebrities and organizational leaders. How does that, um, those interviews, I mean, how do they impact you and how do you feel when you're doing that work? Because I know that it's, um, mm. it's a lot of joy to talk to many people and to the diverse backgrounds and at the same time you're having your own experiences, you do that. Yeah, that's a great question actually. I like the, I like the expanding of friendships. I love to expand my family feeling of friendships. And each person that I have the privilege of seeping into their lives and vice versa, it humbles me and it gives me a chance to learn more about human consciousness and how we are supposed to show up with each other. And I was meeting a family this morning and he's been going through a very painful divorce for the last eight years. And I just basically shared with him, it's hard for her to give you what you expected because she doesn't love herself. And when someone doesn't love themselves, it's hard for them to give love or receive love. Mm-hmm. And so if that sits very clearly in you and you understand that she's not doing anything wrong, she just doesn't know better, then you're able to not take all that emotional debris and stuff that can come in the portal of relationships. So. Maybe one of the greatest things I've learned on the radio show with all my guests, including you and others, is um, this kind of courage and perseverance and goodness that is in all of us, but how events and circumstances that are emerging from our karmic past tends to challenge our lessons to see if we've learned anything at all. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a journey, and I just feel very humbled and privileged to meet everyone on the radio show and to expand family, you know, expand the feeling of family. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially now, it's, it's such an important time that people will resonate on a similar wavelength. When they get together, they create a, a stronger energy field, and this is very important because the world is... In a way, the old systems are breaking down and many people are at a loss. They don't know which way to go. And I don't know if it's been your experience, but it's my experience also that in this time, many people are taking the courage to look into their unconscious and do the work that they need to do to learn their lessons. But some are still lagging behind and either they don't know how to do it, they don't have the courage, they don't want to, so there's such a variety of 
emotions that people experience and feel, it's like every person is a world into themselves. And it's the critical mass of consciousness that comes together is going to bring that additional light to people who are having a hard time and they're not able to move through things or they don't know how to. So what's what's your perspective yeah. on that? How do you see that? No, it's true. And even people with spiritual tools don't know what to do with themselves because mm-hmm. the learning curve of empowering the self where we're able to come to a higher level of being who we are requires a lot of self-honesty and a lot of subtle attention. And if we don't have that practice of paying attention to what we're thinking and what we're feeling as a result of those thoughts, we miss the methods required to overcome our own personal issues. And when we can't hold our issues inside of our beings anymore, we throw that out on somebody else because that's the only way we can pacify what's going on in our heads or in our souls. And so I feel that my um, call to humanity is to lean into your imperfections because there are, a, there are means of getting you to your perfected self and lean into accepting that it's okay if you're not okay and find very elevated people to spend time with and to talk with so that you can process your issues and don't cage it in till it gets to that point where it's so painful you don't even know how to behave anymore in just normal circumstances. Yes, and uh, what I experience with the work that I'm doing is that I realize that people have been trying to do a lot of the self-help with their mind and because they're struggling with the conditionings and beliefs that are so deeply ingrained in in their life, in their body, and in their surroundings with people that they're dealing with, it becomes harder for them to know how to bypass the mind and get into those programs and start deleting them. And that's why my whole work is working with this new self-healing system that I devised that helps people to do that and take responsibility for themselves. But even people who work with the system at times have a difficulty to realize, to see those layers of conditionings, and especially when they are coming closer to the collective conditionings, which is to do with religious backgrounds and religious ideologies and what is your what is your perspective on God and religion because that is a big big part of why people are stuck and why people cannot break through they have all this self guilt that is being imposed and they don't know how to stand up for themselves to say no because religions teach them otherwise. So we have created a lot of mess on this planet. So to clean up this mess, we need to, to start start working with new perspectives. And Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and to me to me it's like once a person experiences their inner joy they they don't care about carrying those sad conditionings with them. Because once you 
know your inner truth and your inner joy, why would you want to give your power away, your creativity away, or hope that somebody else is going to save you because you feel I'm already perfectly okay where I am? Mm-hmm. You know, we have an exhibit right? at the Meditation Museum in Washington, D.C., and it features all the fates. And in the research of our staff, we started to look for something collective that was in all the religions. And every religion kept inviting uh, followers or seekers to go to the source of light, the source of energy. You know, like in all of them, I've come from the world of light, or I am Brahm and I'm the effulgent light, or the Lord is my shepherd, who shall I fear, whatever it might be. But I believe this is what happened, and I hope it will come out clearly for all of your listeners. Um, when we descended on the planet, which meant we came from a higher space of consciousness, in Raj Yoga meditation we call it the land of silence, of the soul world. Uh, in Hinduism they call it Muktidam. In Christianity they call it heaven. In Islam they call it Bahisht. So when we left this uh, arena of consciousness, the souls were full with all these virtues and qualities. And like nature, we change. We go through entropy. And love and purity and peace and all these qualities, which are the fundamental tools to have a good life, were being reduced in the soul. And when it got to the point where our souls, after taking many births, just wasn't feeling so good anymore, we started to look outside of ourselves for something missing. And so whether it was through a prophet or through the nature or through a scripture, we were looking for a feeling, a quality that was lost. And thousands of years have passed so far, and our society and culture is still struggling with a human being, being just kind to a person who is weak at that time in their lives. And all the religions that they have practiced and, and, and worshipped go out the door because they themselves are feeling the pain of anger and lust and greed, attachment and ego, which I use an acronym called ALGE to define them. So when that energy is lost, we start you know, looking for God, and then we put God in a physical form, Mother, and that physical form started to you know, detach us even further away from the energy because if you want this conversation to work for your listeners to hear it, one person needs to connect to the right source so that the sound can travel. And so if we're not connected with the right sort of a connection, then no, any of this interview, because you forgot to press a button to turn it on, you know? And so in the same way, if we are aware that there is a living energy called the soul and that God is the supreme soul, then we start to recognize that there is a higher quality of consciousness available. And as a living energy, I need to connect to that higher quality. And God is quality. God is not Jewish. He's not Christian. He's not Hindu. But we call God God because he's so full of qualities, of vibrations, of quality and values. And so when we reconnect to that vibration and that connection and that relationship, we start to feel something inside. 
and that starts to restore the lost qualities that we've gone through as a result of entropy. No one to blame for my sorrows. Nobody. We're going through issues with each other because we've done stuff to each other. We just don't remember. And so when we're collecting taxes off of somebody emotionally, it's old. I'm not saying now, if you're mean to somebody, you're like, I'm, you know, I have all right to be mean to you because this is all karmic, so you must owe me. No, nobody has the right to be unkind or negative towards anybody's feelings. But we are that on a human level, and it's a sign that we're detached from a relationship and an experience of God. So why meditation is so important is that when we meditate, we are choosing the soul to link to the Supreme Soul so the qualities of love and purity and peace can erase or delete algae from the consciousness. And when you start to do that, when you wake up in the morning, when you're eating, walking, doing a radio interview, um, speaking on the mountaintop with a million people, if you're speaking from the place of the soul and the qualities of the soul and knowing that you are a child of God, the Supreme Soul, then there's no arrogance or weakness or impurity in that conversation. And what actually is being revealed is a child of God, a beautiful human being. And I think that when we speak about that collectivity, if we can get more people being aware of this love link and this ability to connect souls to God, the Supreme, we're not going to be fighting and spending billions of dollars in war anymore. We're going to be bartering with our virtues and qualities and making sure nobody goes to bed hungry. Well, this is this is uh, all true, but don't you think that people have a really hard time to connect simply because they don't know themselves? And what is it that prevents them from knowing themselves? And that's that's the real work. The real work is to recognize what is not true so that we can find the truth. And that's a difficulty too for many people because they don't know how to how to recognize their own um, darkness, so to speak, or manipulative behaviors or anything that is not heart-related and anything that is on a floor of vibration. And religions say, well, these things are not good, so therefore you have to aspire to love thy neighbor. And people have a hard time with that, too, because on some level, they don't even feel love for themselves. How can they love their neighbor? They don't accept themselves. I agree. I agree. And the work is very important. And the way that I look at that, I can only tell you what I went through. what I remembered was this for me, um, from running my nightclubs and being um, very active in social settings. So and you ran um, nightclubs? I ran Did two you? nightclubs in South Beach, Florida. Oh, wow. Uh, tell, tell us about it. This is getting more you interesting see? now. You see how quick you <laughs> want to get into juice? You see, this is the human nature. <laughs> yeah, well, because you know what? We, we cannot separate... We cannot separate anything. We're we're complete humans, so we have to include everything. And to me, the problem is that when religions separate something and say, well, you are a sinner if you're enjoying yourself physically, that already creates guilt in people. 
And when you have guilt, then you're already caught within the conditioning. And then it will become very difficult to look to find that place of acceptance because you're going to continually feel guilty that I did this wrong and I did that wrong because somebody told me that these things are wrong. But everything is there for us to experience so we can learn our lessons. And uh, I'm interested to hear your story with the nightclubs because obviously they taught you something and they brought you to the next level of your development. (laughs) Um, I'm still in a nightclub, but it's a spiritual nightclub. (laughs) I love life and I love um, relationships with people where we once thought that being spiritual was to get away from the world. I've learned that to be truly spiritual is to face everything in life and come out of it looking like rose, uh, regardless of how many thorns you had to endure along the way. And so um, in, in terms of uh, everything is a learning curve, whether you run an, you ran a nightclub whether you run a nightclub or you were a librarian at a library, there's always something to learn if you're listening. And um, I hear that thing about guilt. Uh, I'm not quite sure how much I embrace it because I believe that every person has come with a story to play out and we're all actors with our own script. But I feel that if we don't know that and... We know that there are strong ways of expressing our worth and value. And we ourselves have felt when we're not strong at expressing our worth and value, we don't feel good, period. Whether a religion tells me that if I kill somebody, I'm going to be damned to hell or not, to take someone's life doesn't feel good. It just doesn't show beauty. It doesn't show happiness. It doesn't reveal peace of mind. So obviously, energetically, the soul is going to feel something in return where it doesn't feel valued or, or, or positive about the self. Like you said earlier in the conversation, the importance of collective consciousness. So consciousness is affecting the way that we move in our world. And when we develop feelings of guilt, we are performing actions that is giving sorrow, one, or we're performing actions to project someone that we're not or as a result of um, comparing ourselves to others or looking at what others have, we think we're supposed to do that. Then we break all of our values and principles to get it. Then we still feel at the end of the story we're not feeling sustained or valued because we're not doing it with the right intention and the right motives. So then this acquired accumulation of this guilty feeling stays in the soul and whenever a person is guilty that energy can't stay in them so what they start to do they start to guilt others or blame others for things because Absolutely. they can't keep it in themselves anymore so they channel Absolutely. that energy somewhere else right and so why I, I, I invite people and I could be biased but in the Brahma Kumari's teachings of Raj Yoga meditation if I didn't realize that I, the soul, am naturally pure and peaceful, I would not attempt to try to pay attention to what I'm thinking and doing in my life to get back to that state of reality. So when you say that people don't know themselves, the question is, do you really want to know yourself or do you still want to live in the mock that you're in? Mm-hmm. 
We ask for a lot of things, but when we get it, we're not ready for it. I had a couple that came to me years ago, and she was saying how she wanted this, 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 this for the perfect um, partner. And then she finally got the perfect guy, and she wasn't prepared for him. And so he ended up trying everything he could to keep her happy, but she could not relate to him because she didn't feel that she was worthy to receive someone as, as sweet as he was. And so the relationship came to a stalemate. You know, and at the end of it, he blamed, she blamed him for controlling her and being possessive and jealous. And what was clear when I would listen to the both of them speaking is she was no longer being honest with him because she was projecting a false sense of herself. So, you know, they're it's all... the fears, right? Go through. Yeah. yeah, fears. It's the fears. Of fear of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Fear of intimacy, fear of letting go of the ego because people want perfect relationships, but they're not willing to let go of their egos or look at them. And obviously, with with an ego and self-preservation, you cannot have intimacy. And also, with this whole work of self-discovery, we must also remember that to to be able to look at our own darkness, and we keep telling, especially now, we keep telling each individual that they need to do this work, but at the same time, to do the work would involve also standing up not against all your own unconscious, but also against the manipulative behaviors and unconscious impositions from religions and, and from from governments. Because that's uh, that's the, the, the that's where the power is, the forces to manipulate people to keep them where they are. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that, and I get it. I think that at the end of the day, we are accountable for our for our feelings and our thoughts. Nobody's fault, and nobody's responsible for teaching me or telling me how to love and how to be a loving person. We're all born that way, but it has merged itself in our subconscious due to events of our past and events that we're still holding on to, which we're making bigger than the true sense of worth and the true sense of the soul. And there are two things I feel, Mada, that will initiate change, as you asked in the earlier part of the conversation today. Two things that will change us as human beings, love or tragedy. Fall in love with somebody and see how many things you change or alter in your personality or in your way of being. Have that person leave you or have somebody die or have an accident happen to you or have hell and brimstone fall on you in a second and see how that shifts consciousness and changes you. Remember 9-11? People Mm -hmm. were so appreciative in New York City and in the nation and in the world, people emerged their best selves. And after a week or two, no one could tolerate anyone and no one could tolerate the cleaning up process much longer. They were getting short-tempered, they were getting impatient, and they couldn't cope anymore. So it brings me back to that whole thing. Am I going to use love to change me, or am I going to use tragedy? And so if you wish to have an intimate experience with somebody, be so conscious instead of be so caught up in the external. So it's a choice. It's a choice, and you make a choice, you make an intention, and then you work toward it. 
It's a choice. It's wisdom. It's common sense. It's destiny. It is a fortune. Um, sometimes some people make a plan to get to the mountaintop and they don't even start climbing. Some people get to the mountaintop and don't know how they got there. <laughs> so. Well, it's it's a difficult. We must agree, though. It's a difficult process because to it's an arduous process to face the ugly faces of your own ego and work through those um, lower chakra vibrations, the which we which we must have in a way because we must have an ability to protect our own energy field and space in order we can in order for us to do our work. So we need those lower vibrations as well. Nothing is accidental in the universe. We weren't given uh, these things um, just accidentally, so everything has its own place. It's just knowing how to use our inner power in order to say no when we need to say no and to be open when we need to be open. But we can only do that when we're conscious and we're aware, self-aware, uh, and we do not have any beliefs and projections. So the work would be then arduous because it's digging in, looking to see what is my belief, what is my projection, am I blaming, Am I? why am I getting angry, why am I manipulating. So this is the hard work that everybody must do who wants to become more conscious. And unfortunately, not everybody's prepared to do that work. Correct, correct. Correct. And I think this is where um, individuals who are on their journey are tested to remain humble and individuals who are getting on the journey um, can amplify their courage to explore an enthusiasm to see what awaits them. Mm-hmm. So tell us some of about some of your um, upcoming projects. I know that you're very busy and uh, you have all these initiatives and projects that uh, are on the Burner for you. What uh, what are your plans for the near future? Well, I have no idea. I take one day at a time, and in the early morning hours at three o'clock or four, which is when I get up to have my private spiritual time with my conscience and with God, usually something gets very clear as to what are the things that are priority and what's important to do. Uh, anything that I embark on. It is connected to the benefit of the lives of other people, not about me. And at the end of the day, I'm benefited because I know that one person changed and became a better citizen of the planet. In terms of projects and programs, we have so many things that are on the table pending. And in Washington, D.C., a lot of people are shocked at what spirituality is when we do it here because... People think you're supposed to sit and empty your mind and be quiet. And actually, you're here to fill your mind with power so that you can contribute to making this world a better place. So we're launching our new museum. We're opening up our museum, a bigger one, in Washington, D.C., and it's going to be on April 10th, and we're going to be live-streaming it so folks can join in. And I'm launching a new initiative called Listen, Emerge, and Become. These are individuals who have been on my America Meditating radio show, so we're giving them a platform to share their expertise to a large audience in Washington, D.C., and global. Yes, I I, I received that email, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward for individuals to come on and 
share through Google Hangouts some of the things that they're up to and speak to our people here in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. But, Mada, more than anything else, I am at a point in my spiritual journey that I wish to honor the energy of silence more. Not saying that I won't be speaking or it's an absence of sound, but my connection to God must increase because I know that that's the, you know, the treasure store of my fortune and, and joy. And the second thing is I don't want to get caught up in anyone's weakness or defects or issues. And the third thing is silence is golden, and I wish to be a golden child. So my personal mm-hmm. spiritual project for 2015 is to amplify my presence of silence as a person on the planet so that anyone who comes to me as a friend or um, as somebody who's searching for an answer, my presence of silence will be the answer, and folks will just stop wallowing in waste and negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And all the answers appear out of silence. Right, correct, correct, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so true. So you've been asking me a million and one questions, <laughs> and I get that for our interview. And, I still uh, didn't hear about that nightclub, so oh, no, no, you're trying to get that. I have to test her yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to come to Washington D.C. and let me see that you see part of my personality. But just for the sake of um, um, tweaking this, the the curiosity of your listeners, yeah, um, you know, life was fast for me. Um, my mom was orphaned at seven, so she was a lot. Of it. There was a lot of stuff going on with her. My dad, noble, quiet, very decent Indian guy. So I saw two worlds um, uh, tremendously. But growing up, I wanted to have my own independence and my own strength. And so I went into business since I was 16 just to try to create my own sense of self. And I think it was at 19 I had my first club. And then I got a second one. And that went on into my early 20s until I had my epiphany of God's light coming into my consciousness and basically deleting everything that I thought was high life. I had a beautiful condominium mother overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, three luxury cars from a Mercedes to a Jaguar to a BMW. I'm only 21, 22. I was dating the son of a prime minister at the time. And so I didn't have any problems. But when I felt God's light, that vibration of God's energy, it trumped everything that I had attained by that time. And no one could convince me that this wasn't the right choice for me to make, to go towards divinity. And to this day, I haven't regretted that. I do miss my condominium overlooking the water. (laughs) Well, you know what, the, the part that I love about, uh, you you probably know my background is being with Osho since I'm 24 years old. And what I love about Osho, and he's the Buddha of the 21st century, 22nd, 23rd, it's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the Buddha that brings all the other Buddhas alive, that he brought all the other Buddhas alive, and being with him was a journey of a lifetime. What I love about his um, approach to life is be Zorba the Buddha. And we cannot deny any part of life. So everything is here for us to enjoy because life is temporary. Might as well live it up 
And I hope you get that beautiful condominium back <laughs> because you know what? Or or <laughs> or <do>. a place <laughs> because you deserve it. Why not? It's it's not hey, just. I, I, hey, I'm not saying I don't deserve it. I'm just saying that when the experience came in, it trumped yeah. everything I was going through, and I ended up, you know, just living in a small little corner, which I still do actually. Um, I still live in a little small corner room with just one little cupboard and nobody would ever believe it when they look at me but I'm okay with small because I think larger but let me tell you Mada somebody whoever's listening get me a really nice penthouse overlooking the ocean I'll serve you to the end of time (laughs) (laughs) you know what I think it's after you experience something of out out of out of this world uh, that is not part of the world in a material sense, then you realize that this life is temporary and doesn't have as much as much value. But at the same time, we're still living in a physical form. And I think we need to bring that, we need to marry the two in a way that I understand because I am very happy to live in a palace and I'm very happy to live in a hut. I'm still happy either way wherever I live because I found my own inner happiness and my own presence in the moment is all that matters. But at the same time, frankly, I like a comfortable bed. I like a comfortable place to live. And I don't want to compromise on that. Exactly. Exactly. I get that. And I think for many of us on the path of spirituality or religion, we think that poverty is a sign of our greatness, and I think um, mental poverty is a sin. I think physical poverty is a sin, and what I mean by that is we're not here to suffer, and we're not here to live a life that doesn't have abundance. And I think that one of the reasons why we tend to... Um, you know, embrace that, like embrace that simplicity as a form of our elevated enlightenment. It's because when we had them, we were so identifying with them that we lost our virtues and our sweetness to be with one another because, God forbid, somebody didn't give you the respect. Your first thought is like, do you know who I am? You know, so identification came a lot from our our material possessions our identity to our bodies, our color of our skin, our religious, you know, ownership, etc., how much money you had in the bank, who you dated. And mm-hmm. if anyone doesn't value you based on those limited sense of identities, then we showed the algae that is sitting inside of the consciousness. And what God is really trying to awaken in all of us is let go of your interpretation of these material possessions. Yes. You are here to have an abundance of all of these things, but they are not who you are. They are your God-given right, but there's a reason why you're losing them, and there's a reason why you have so much of it. So that goes into the whole realm now of karma philosophy and the things that we've been doing in our lifetimes that actually warrant us to be wealthy or warrant us to be you know, in a poverty-stricken state. So you That's, want to learn about these things more, you know, so we don't live exactly, in that Exactly, yeah. and you, you use the right word. Identification is basically the, the big culprit because through identification is we, how we stay stuck. When we're, we're identifying with the 
the beliefs or the culture or the what we've been conditioned to and obviously the material world has lots of conditionings in it and that's where um, religions fight uh, each other and nations fight each other because they're all identified with an idea and uh, that's that's the big problem of our humanity as a whole but uh, uh, to, to be able to embrace both because uh, you know the world has so much richness and there is no need for poverty because they're sp- spending 700 or 800 billion dollars a day on warfare so why do we need that that money can be used for everybody to live in joy and abundance but obviously it's not the agenda of people who are identified with their power and need for power and their insecurity and their fears. So uh, that's why we need to create at this point, and we are creating small hubs, if you will, even through our conversation, it's like a, a little energy field. And what, what you're doing with your meditation museum, it's like a little hub. So we have some ways of puncturing holes through that collective pain and suffering that is around the planet. Yeah, I agree with you, Mada. It's true. It's true. And, you know, your show, you know, it's creating more wellness, awareness, and conscious rising, too. And this is where I love the times that we're in as much as we're seeing uh, a disconnect to deep spiritual uh, values or a deep sense of spiritual self. We're also seeing these little drops of profound um, contributions to showing us how great we are if we just listen to the beauty and the purity of the human soul and live the beauty and the purity of the human soul out, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, now I'm excited to come to Washington, D.C. and go to Disco together with you. <laughs> uh, anytime. Make sure you go to <laughs> <laughs> then we can sit and enjoy the silence after that. <laughs> oh, you know what? You can still party in silence. Again, uh, to everyone listening in, just don't have waste or negative thoughts about people, and your mind will stay at peace. Yeah, but uh, ne- nevertheless, I think a silence without celebration, it's not its not complete. So I like both. I like dancing, I like to celebrate, I like laughter, I like joy, and uh, and I like silence. So I think they're all, they all have it, their own time, their own place, and, and they make life richer. They make being on the planet more enjoyable. And, uh, and I totally hear you. Sometimes I feel like, you know, um, I'm done doing all this hard work. I've done my own work, so I just want to go and sit in silence. But it doesn't last too long. I do that, and then I go, okay, now I have to go back and do some more work with people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure I you know. feel the same way. Um, maybe I need another 10 more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I tell everyone I will be retiring, but I'm retiring only because it's time to retire. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've loved every minute of it, um, I just feel like there's a point that I will just really enjoy just um, not worrying too much about the world anymore, knowing mm-hmm. that the world will take care of itself on its own. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, sweetie. And, you know, you need what you need to do for yourself. And uh, 
Totally. I send you lots of love and blessings for that. And uh, maybe when you're sitting in your silence, I'll come as a butterfly sit on your shoulder. Uh, would love that. That's very sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and yeah, all the best. And great. hopefully you'll chime in on April 10th. Hey, and don't forget yes. to tell your listeners to get my new CD, The Off the Great Into the Heart. Yes, and you have two CDs, right? That's your new one, and you have another one as well. Do you want to say the yes, name? Yeah, another one called Off Off to Work. I just seem to keep getting off. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's getting <laughs> off. You know, off off yeah, retiring. Just get off okay. it all. You know, but yeah, um, yeah. So all of that is available on iTunes or Amazon or CD Baby, and um, yeah. And what's uh, your website? Our website okay. is. Um, meditationmuseum.org that's simply and that'll link you to the radio show and podcast and everything else that's available but in closing to all of your great great uh, listeners please my brothers and sisters don't give sorrow and don't take sorrow and know that there's always benefit when you're settling your karmic debt but keep creating good speed good fortune don't get caught up in the fact that you're paying off just be more focused on what you're earning Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Healing in Consciousness Radio. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll speak again, I'm sure. Absolutely. Take care.